You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. I'm excited we're talking about the changing workplace because we've been in the next or the next next or the next next normal for quite a while, and I decided it was really time to jump in and have a conversation about leadership and the changing workplace. And today I'm really excited. I've got Victoria Hanu. And Victoria comes to me courtesy of our mutual friend, Lisa Sakai. Thank you. And also Michelle Hayward from Positive A Hire. And Michelle and I are Twitter friends who met the first time, the last time she was on the show. And I know both Victoria and Michelle are invested in helping leaders um, be better, do better, and have a nice, healthy culture in work. So I'm really, I think this topic... Um, it needed to be covered. So it's a little bit out of our norm, entrepreneurial, but maybe not really, because the skills for running a business are good for running any business. But before I start answering all of my own questions, I would love for my guests to introduce themselves. So Victoria, let's start with you. Uh, Please share who you are and why you're so excited to talk about this topic. Well, I'm Victoria Lynn Hanu. My company is Heart and Soul CEO, and I work with family businesses, the leaders in family businesses to to create successful transfer of leadership beyond uh, ownership and wealth transfers. So to really create success beyond that transfer and family and really 90% of businesses in the country are family businesses and culture is so important. So I'm really excited about today's topic. It, it is because it's, it's that essence. The culture starts really from the top down and because everything has changed so much, you know, in person, virtual, a hybrid, I think most, a lot of companies are in that hybrid model, but you still need to keep everybody together and rowing the boat in the same direction, as it were. So great to have you here. Michelle, wonderful to see you. Great to see you off of Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Please tell everybody what you do and why you're so excited to to, uh, jump into this topic today. So hi, everybody. I'm Michelle Hayward, founder of Positive Hire, where we connect Black, Latina, and Indigenous women who are experienced scientists, engineers, and technology professionals to management roles. So I bring in uh, focus on leadership development, um, more mid-management, but also focus on culture of organizations, like previously mentioned, Um, from Victoria that is really, really important in the workplace. So I'm excited to have this. That's why I'm excited to have this conversation because we're coming at two different levels. um, And I usually focus more on corporate and not family businesses, but I grew up in a family business. So I I love that part too. And it's all, everything is kind of connected these days. Um, You're not just one thing. And when people, they're saying, so Deb, what's your community? I'm like, well, it's writers, creatives, and entrepreneurs. But it's basically, it covers everything. Because no matter what your role in a business and whether you're the boss or the employee, the culture means everything. And it's a tone that you set from the get-go. So what, um, Michelle, 
what is a, let's start with a softball. What is good culture versus bad company culture? Well, good culture really is going to depend on the person. You'd be very surprised how some people will like one culture better than another. And also the culture of an organization can stay the same, but the employee changes their grow over time. And so I, I, I say that because bad culture, usually what you find people say, you can't be your authentic self. And, and what that means is talking about or sharing, if you would like the personal things about yourself, but also being um, included from decisions to ideas, being, being included in processes. And I often, when I'm talking to uh, employers, companies, they'll say something like, oh, our employees love our benefits. And I said, well, who doesn't like your benefits? And they was like, they're, they're confused. I said, well, because if you're if you're a six percent people of color and 90 percent of your people in color employees do not like your benefits, your benefits aren't inclusive. And so it's really important to understand that segment that doesn't to see if it's literally across the spectrum of your employees or if it's clustered around certain certain people. It may be older people over 40. Right. Um, It could be women, but you really have to dive in and they're like, well, it's only 6%, but guess what is, but that 6% could be your marginalized people. And so it's really important to understand where that culture difference is and who is it different for. And that really, a lot of organizations just simply go by the numbers, the percentage of the good, but they really also need to understand the percentage that isn't in agreement or, or when things aren't good for them. So if I were to like tie a bow around everything awesome that you just said, a good culture is an inclusive culture where people can be their authentic selves. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, Victoria, same question. I w- well, first of all, I would agree with Michelle uh, on that it's an inclusive culture. And the, the way people interact with e- each other, I think is really key because like Michelle was talking about, they look at the numbers or the benefits or the pay, you know, well, we pay good. It's not really about that because you have issues with employees, whether they call it the quiet quitting, the great resignation, you have all of these things happening in the workplace and leaders just are baffled by it. Well, if you haven't created a respectful workplace it doesn't matter. It's having that respect. You can't have people yelling at each other. You can't have disrespect of personal space or any of those types of things. This is the first time that in the history of employment that we have, I was counting it the other day, is we have five generations in the workplace. So not only do we have people, we have people of color, we have indigenous, we have the Latinos. I mean, we have Indian, we have Asian, we have so many different nationalities coming together. America is truly a melting pot. And a lot of the Western countries in Europe, Western civilizations have all started becoming melting pots, just like the US. And regardless of where you are, You have five generations and a melting pot of cultures. And so I think really respect is really the key in the workplace and not just respectful communication, but respect for new ideas, for different ideas, for, you know, regardless of how old a person is or the color of their skin or the culture of their background. That is so key. It's, respect is one word, but it goes beyond just how we talk to one another. Absolutely. Isn't it funny? I'm thinking back to like all of the jobs I've had because I worked in corporate. I've worked in a bookstore. I worked in public. I've worked in a lot of different um, types of businesses throughout my career in addition to, you know, being me. But I think back to the first day and you can tell on the first day whether it is a fit, don't you think? 
Oh, I totally agree. My last corporate job, you know, I did the interview. It was a nice pay raise from my previous one. And I accepted the job. And there were things that were in that around that job that were total out of alignment with my values. And I walked into the job on the first day and I went, oh, my God, what did I do? I'm not. So what did you do? I stuck around for ways. I, I had the thought in my head, I'll only be here two years max. I was there almost five. And it was my experience at that company that actually launched me into what I do today. But, you know, so it was a necessary thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. And I learned a lot. And it was one of the most disrespectful, toxic companies I have ever experienced. So, you know, it was it helped me get here and how to help cultures. I, I have a cousin who would say, um, write them a thank you note, but you never want to write that thank you note, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, Michelle, have you had that experience? And then, then we'll flip to the positive, but I think the negative and, and I'm all about the optimism, but I think you can understand the good experience is so much better. You know, I have and I have it. And so the last company I worked for, I was with for 12 years and I worked in construction. So every few years I was on a new project with a new client, with a new team. So it was the same company and I didn't work usually in one of our offices, but I re distinctly remember the very last project I was on, the client was so difficult. The client, it wasn't. And so the client was so draining. It, it was draining everybody else. And I said, you know, I refuse to be like that. Right. And I was like, there has to be a reason. God has to have me here for a reason. Um, this is a learning moment. This is a teaching moment. There's something here for me to learn. And I would say it so much until my coworkers would be like, okay, I'm going to be like you, Michelle. And, and they thought it was a joke, but it was like, no, I, and I just started cracking up because I didn't realize I was speaking it out loud. Right. <laughs> because I refuse, I like, we can't all be this depressed by a client. Why don't we just quit? It was like, but I'm 50, nobody will hire me. And I was like, but you, you rather sit here and complain all day. Like, I can't complain all day. I can either complain for a short period of time and make change. And so that's generally how I, and this is what my friends know, you have two times to call me and complain about something. And then we have to come up with a plan for you to take action. And if that's not you, don't call me. Because <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. It is very draining. And, and that's the engineer side of me. And so that's what I remember is I can do something. And so the company I previously worked for, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was out of college. It was definitely, but it was a lot of young people. It was 16 engineers on my team and 14 of us were straight out of college. No, not 14, 13 of us were straight out of college. And so it was very, and what I mean with it, we got all graduated within the last year or so. And so it was very different vibe having, being on a team that young, that diverse. And I've never had a team since then. Since then, even on the client side, having half about a third or half the team being women, um, there were three or four, three of us that were black. Um, and then or four, I think three or four, depending on the time change when people quit. So it was very different um, there. The team was great. The company culture was not. And then I left and the culture was changing depending on the project. So it was very weird. It was a very different type of experience for me. And one of my big things, and you know, the, you know what? I think I didn't even introduce myself. So I'm Deborah Eckerle, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of the Dev Method for Goal Setting Simplified. And as you're talking, that this is the main reason why I do what I do is to help people embrace change by choice or circumstance because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you have two choices. Find something to enjoy within what you're doing. Okay, three. Um, the second one, see what else is out there or start something on the side that brings you joy so you're not relying on all that fulfillment of work. So I'm all about helping people set goals and figure out what they need to do for the next thing. 
And I think the other thing that you you both brought up is some cultures, they're just confused. You know, they're trying really hard to be inclusive and full of benefits and a place everybody wants to work. And sometimes it's off because they're not living their mission or they don't even have a mission. And you need to find that kind of alignment. So I I guess that's the next question then. So what is probably the biggest challenge a company has with establishing company culture that's consistent? So Victoria, I feel like this is, this needs to, (laughs) this needs to go to you first. So. Okay. Yeah, really to get a culture that's consistent. So culture starts as leadership, you know, because if you, look at the rest of the company, it it doesn't, they're just trying to figure it out on the teams. And with leadership being really clear about what is the culture that they want to experience in the company, they have to, leadership really has to take a look at it from a personal standpoint. They're, they can't be in some box like the sky box at the football stadium and directing things from there they have got to understand what do I want it to look like what do I want it to feel like and you know even as important as mission is and vision is because that gets people going there it's the values what is our purpose and that's one of the great things about the new generations coming in is they expect to have a purpose over and above the paycheck that they're working towards, which is really super, super awesome. I think it's like the best thing, but that's (laughs) partly because that's what I do, right? But understanding those values, because companies will put down values for the company and that's great. You put them down, but if you don't live by them and you don't, implement them yourself and you don't walk your talk it doesn't matter and what does the what do those values look like brought to life you know i like to call it like a code of conduct so we're living this value when we do what what does that look like operationally what does that look like and it's not little you know a value is pretty much a one sentence statement but what does it look like let's go deeper and in that depth it's like how people's how people show up you know how we expect and that's one of the big words the expectations how do we expect people to show up how do you handle things with clients internally when you have conflict all of those kind of things. Do you have a coaching environment? Do you have a mentoring environment? Because part of our new generations coming up, they want to be recognized by who they are uniquely. They want to be aligned with the values of the company and the purpose. And they want to be able to contribute from who they are. And they don't want to be treated like they don't know anything. They want to be empowered to make a difference for themselves, but as part of the team. Exactly. um, And I think this is why Lisa connected us originally is because one of the things I do is workshops, goal setting, simplified, or (laughs) keep your employees engaged and productive, you know, keep your employees workshops. Because when the, the boss knows what's driving the employees, and what their goals are, then everybody is more able to work together when they're just guessing. And I think especially with more remote environments, then everybody is confused. And that's, you know, the negative. No one wants that. Yeah, it's about aligning everything. And it's not something you can dictate. It's it's a amorphous evolving because your company, the leaders in it, are actually contributing to the company, which is an entity of itself, which is made up of all of these people. And the leadership is at the core. Michelle? I I absolutely, absolutely agree that culture is led by and created by 
leaders. And that's why it can be very difficult because when you look in corporate spaces, spaces, some leaders are there for three to five years. And so when you come into a certain set, certain culture and the person leaves and it shifts, it's like, okay, is it me that changed or did the culture change? And it's probably some of both, but it's really important to see that. And I, always, I also point out to people, there are also subcultures. And so I went through a couple acquisitions um, and the way we function after we've been acquired, it was like, we don't know who owns us. We don't care you own us. We're still going to operate as though you don't own us and we have a different CEO. Then we got purchased again. And that second purchase was we felt it. And it was like, who is the CEO? An accountant. No wonder this is an architecture, engineering, construction company. And you don't know how we operate to serve our clients. And the things that you do, because I was what we referred to as field personnel, the things that field personnel give up and sacrifice in order to serve clients. And it was just like, and I just would respond back, even like, y'all don't know how we do business. <laughs> and I would get notifications for stuff. I like you, because they didn't understand the culture of field life. And because they didn't understand that I lived about two hours away from the next major airport. I couldn't buy a cheap, the cheapest plane ticket. The cheapest plane ticket was at 5.30. I was not leaving my house at 3.30 in the morning to catch a 5.30 a.m. flight. I would leave my house at 5.30 a.m. to catch a, you know, uh, um, let's say a nine o'clock flight. And so it's really important for organizations to understand that the culture in a California location can be very different in a South Carolina location. And even if you're in a California location, that different senior VPs and different leaders in that organization may have different subcultures. And so I work for very people like, oh my God, you work for Bob. Bob is great to work for. I was like, okay, I work for Bob. Bob wasn't a manager. Bob was very much a leader. And he there was a different culture that he built on every single, not a different culture. Everybody knew what that culture, once you work with him, you knew he was open for you to fail. And he, all he wanted you to do is like, I screwed up. What do I do now? And he literally said on calls, like, you made a decision, didn't work out, make another decision. That one didn't work out. Make another, like at some point you need to come ask for help. And, but his, the culture he created on his projects, teams were very, very different than the culture of the organization. But not everybody likes that. And so it really is important to understand that leaders can create their own subcultures and sometimes you don't see people leave that that particular leader because they don't like the culture of the organization, but they love the subculture that this particular leader in the organization has created. And so it's very interesting dynamics when I talk about culture and subculture, in, especially in large organizations, because people don't see it. It's like I, I said this like in that person is like, nah, not 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 for my people. <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of the Moses, like not, not, not my people. We, we won't do this. It's so it's very, it's very different way to, to look at some of the cultures and organizations. And the point that you brought up is it's not just one. Yes. De and, and so especially with remote teams, how can leaders keep their pulse on things and keep it moving forward? It, it depends on what the remote teams look like. So when we think about going remote for teams at the beginning of the pandemic, it was people being at home on their computers and having virtual workspaces. And so keeping a pulse on that, you have to be more intentional as a leader. Communication via email, sometimes via text, Slack notifications or Teams notifi notifications, depending on where your community is built virtually building a community understanding the power and importance of online communities is really hard for b2b people to understand people to have like build like e-commerce businesses and they understand b2c they understand the power of having an online community i would say really the only three people that large companies that understand that are probably microsoft salesforce and hubspot <laughs> Because they built, they literally built communities to help grow their business. And they know the power of building communities on revenue generation, but a lot mm -hmm. of companies haven't. That would be the one thing. And then, but I work remotely, 
with teams of my coworkers or other employees. And so that remoteness, what I found worked better was executives would fly out once a quarter. So it'd be the VP of construction, maybe a VP of engineering, um, director of project controls. They will all try to come out because we were truly the revenue generation part. And they're like, we didn't perform well. The company wasn't going to make money. So what do you need? Um, and so they would come out to see if we were okay um, and really have a more. That's how I learned who the executives were. I were finding out that underrepresented employees didn't have FaceTime with them. And they knew who I was just by be, because I was field personnel. And so, so some of those things have to be very dedicated to and, and very intentional when it's online because they're used to if it's remote, but it's just a different location, which is sort of what we were, even though it moved every few years or every few months, they could still fly in somewhere, get a rental car and drive. And that's the norm. But this online stuff, they have no clue or they are not as tuned in to building community and really staying in touch, building a culture online with their employees. And Victoria, have you found uh, I know you work with small businesses or yeah, is that an an issue? They're pretty middle market. They're smaller. They're definitely smaller, you know, anywhere from 10 to 50 employees. But the biggest thing is, is with the remote work. So what's happening with the online is it requires communication of a different kind because you have to be more clear about your expectations. It's not about a butt in a seat anymore. When you're in the office the and the non-remote, the call back to the office stuff that's going on is all about feeling comfortable that somebody is sitting in the seat. They, they could be not working at all, but sitting there. I mean, in my corporate experience, I saw that a lot. I totally saw that a lot from the time I started in corporate out of college. And, you know, there are people that would sit in their seat. It's not about the butts in seat. And that is, I think, the biggest misnomer that leadership has is that if that person's there sitting there, I know they're working. No, you don't. They're not necessarily working just because you can see their head over the cubicle. And no, they're not necessarily playing games, but they probably they're, if they're not working there, they're not working at home. So it's really important for leadership to be really clear about what their expectations. It's about having results, you know, what are they? And even more so than results, you have your goals, but what are the outcomes? What do you want it to look like? How do we want to interact? Let's be you know, let's be connected. There are things that they can do if they have teams that are remote and online is um, one of my clients, her company's been remote since um, for the whole time she's been in business with the exception of a couple people. She's had a remote business for over 20 years, right? And what she's done is things like she'll have dinner parties. Well, she sends everybody dinner. I love it. Neat. And they eat together remote. So, you know, it's things like requiring when you're having a meeting, have it be productive, have it focused. What are you working on? Is maybe sometimes you do need to do an implementation or work session together because if you set it up right, it increases the energy and people get more productive during it, but you don't talk and you have breakouts. There are different ways to do the remote, but the biggest thing is is clear expectations and clear outcomes. What are we working on together? What's the outcome? Yeah, I love it. I love the virtual dinner party idea. Rochelle, do you have something comparable as an example? We not... Not a virtual dinner party. We just did a virtual Christmas, a holiday party, playing music, playing games um, with my community. So not necessarily just my employees, 
we've done wine down Wednesday. I don't ship the wine because I don't drink. So, but everybody can bring bring whatever beverage they want, and we'll play online games, and just to just to build community and get people engaged with each other. And so, I really I really like that part of like I thought about sending out gift cards. Like and you go buy whatever. Here's a twenty five dollar Visa gift card. You go buy whatever meal you want. We'll come together and eat at this time and just hang out for an hour, hour and a half. But I love that she ships the meal to them. Um, I'm just afraid because <laughs> I get groceries delivered. They're like, we delivered it early. I was like, but yeah, but whose house is this? Because it's not mine. <laughs> so, so you're delivering it early. It's perishable. So now it's just trash. And so that's that's the other part. Um, that's why I prefer a digital gift card. That way you're good to go. One thing I think, and, and I'm trying to remember, I think I've been working for virtual people since 2014. And prior to that, I, you know, left the house to go to work. But as a freelancer who's worked with a lot of different types of clients, in addition to uh, the corporate work and the consulting that I do, it, for me, it was like nothing to say you can't leave the house to communicate with people because I was already doing that. But for a lot of people, it was a huge shift and it still is a huge shift. I mean, you would think I were like literally on the three years since the original, you know, the shutdown that was only supposed to go two weeks. Uh, literally three years from that, but I still think people are having trouble with that online communication, community, and connection. And you both gave excellent examples of things that companies can do to stay connected. I think adding that social component, that fun component is a big deal. Uh, what other recommendations do you have for you know, getting out of your head and embracing technology? Michelle? I would say to embrace the technology is really one, one thing. I, I had the fortune of working with a lot of boomers who were not necessarily happy to have to do their timesheets online, <laughs> meaning and getting directed. Probably like my wife is going to know how much I make. <laughs> it was like, and, and so they, they literally they were former union and they they the unions made sure they got a paper check, and so they wouldn't always have one bank account. So that's a whole other discussion. But what happened was we literally got them used to the computer by just playing solitaire. And so what's the easiest thing to do? Don't make it a presentation. You don't have to get on to hear an executive talk. And so you're logging in early and you're stressed out. Like, what is the what is the minimal thing they can they can do? And somebody literally shared me shared with me how a, a personal trainer gets people to work out. He was like, the first week, just wake up at 5.30 a.m. Just set the alarm. All right, the next week, you're going to get up, get dressed, just drive to the gym. You don't have to go and just drive into the park lot. The third week, you're going to get up at 5.30 a.m., get dressed, drive to the gym, park, and walk in and just walk around. And then you can go back home. Literally making it incremental. By the fourth week, we'll start working out. But he found that the struggle was having all of these the clients having to do all of these changes at once as opposed to incrementally having them do it and so how can you incrementally make the tech easy okay let's first install it now we're going to turn it on now we're going to upload your picture okay tomorrow we'll add in your name and so what are the incremental things the system will let them do before they ever turn on a camera before they ever unmute, what are the things they can do? Just join in and look at Deb and Victoria and Michelle talk before they ever go live, right? So now you know what it looks like or they're in the green room to see. And so really making it very, very incremental steps that's, that are digestible and easy for people to get accustomed to that technology is what I would recommend. I love that workout analogy, but... I have to tell you, if I'm getting up at 5.30, I'm working out. <laughs> I mean, you can go do other things. You may not get dressed. Maybe you go do laundry or something else. 
you're like, uh, it depend, it's also depending on where you live. If I feel like it's cold out, I'm not going any place. Mm-hmm. Well, and so on last week's episode was about taking care of your body. And Gerard Williams was uh, one of the guests is a dance fitness instructor. And he was talking about how even though he teaches now online and in-person courses for a lot of people, it's like, oh, I can put dinner on the table and then go in the next room to work out. So even just getting up and getting in that mode and then the next day turn on and watch the video without working out (laughs) maybe the day after you actually do it. So I think that analogy is very powerful because it can be for anything. And then the other part of it is even though it has been three years that we've all been connected this way, if you're still struggling, start from square one and build up in a way that's comfortable for you because the heck is not going away. There, I said it. So Victoria, what about you? Any other, any recommendations to add for getting people used to tech who are still kind of fighting it? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is a lot of people that are fighting tech love the personal connection that you get. Tech, and I think acknowledging that, no, tech does not, replace human connection it helps facilitate it when it's not possible to be in person together right and it keeps you know we're in a very different world right now as you said coming out of the three years you know it's like what what was it like back when they had the spanish flu in uh 1917 1918 you know it was a pandemic then very close to like what we have now, but they didn't have technology to be able to stay connected. And I think it's being grateful for and appreciating technology versus complaining about it. Cause it enhances our, it enhances our life and it doesn't have to replace all the personal interpersonal things. It's, it's not the technology. I used to do software programming. So I am a former engineer as well. Only I was more in software as part of my degree that came out of business management. But the thing is, is technology is a tool. It's as good as we make it. Oh, so true. And we do love to complain about tech, but think of it as a common thing. The same reason we all like to talk about food, we love to complain about tech. These are, you know, two topics that come up in conversation for me probably every day. And I think the the framing, the way that you framed it, tech doesn't replace personal connection. It facilitates it. I don't think people are saying that enough because I could just, when it's like, is tech or nothing? Oh, I guess I have to do tech. But if tech helps to create things, and I love, this show was, you know, uh, it came out of the pandemic and it's a great way for me to catch up with people and make new friends and share our conversations. Basically we talk and let other people listen, but it is a way to enhance everything else. It is not the replacement. Exactly. But you got to look at, I'm in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. You're in California. Los Angeles, right? And Michelle, where are you? South Carolina. Okay. So we have East Coast and the mountains and And West West Coast. Coast here today talking and developing relationship yes and every now and every now and then i've got someone from uh across the pond who's willing to stay up until midnight (laughs) to be part of one of these conversations yeah i have a a friend that i met virtually she's in italy bologna italy and we meet once a month and we would i wouldn't know her or have a really cool relationship with her if it wasn't for the tech. The tech is a gift. And I think it's when it's abused, it becomes an issue. 
Absolutely. And I think that's where people that don't like the tech, especially in the workplace, is when leadership abuses the tech in a, and abuses it in a way that makes the employee not feel respected. I feel like we could end the conversation now. We're not going to. But with that as a really good point as to why people are so opposed to tech, because they feel like they're being spied on or looked at or they're tracking everything. And it's when you empower people to do their job, they'll do their job. But when you watch over them, that's when you get the pushback. Yep. And I and I think you have to really make sure that you have that the position for the person lets them excel as well as your expectations. Well, and that's a huge thing for everything I do is all about setting yourself up for success. You know, what is the foundation? What do you need to put in place? And what is it that you love that you do? What makes you unique and how you help? And when you've got all the that foundation, all those elements together, then you can build something, whether it's your company or you're working for a company, but that purpose that we were talking about before, but mixed with that enthusiasm and get rid of the barriers. You know, let's we overcomplicate things without thinking. Stop that. Okay, we've just solved the, all the problems in the world. Michelle, uh, did you want to add to this little sidetrack? Um, I, I, I like my online friends too, uh, because I traveled so much and would often be in very small places. I've built the relationships, like Victoria said, with people online, sent Christmas gifts. I have their home mailing address to send them holiday gifts, birthday gifts. And it's really interesting how you can truly cultivate relationships online. Um, having not met people over 10 or 12 years online, I guess it's that part of that Gen Xer community when we started like in the 90s getting online, America, you know, dial up, you know, <laughs> we remember the AOL disc coming in the mail and being like, oh my God, I can meet anybody, anybody. And we still value that. But we also were the ones who understand relationships in real life. And I think we're going to have to change that, unfortunately, because we're seeing some of uh, Gen Z go, but why do I need to talk to these people outside? <laughs> um, I, I can't just hang out, hang out with my gamer friends online. I mean, it's three houses down. It's one of the kids I'm playing with. And so it's really interesting seeing how they build relationships um, in younger generations and why... I think we may end up more in a virtual space, an online space for um, organizations more, because that may be the comfort level for other generations where we kind of Gen X were, are kind of in between. And, and so I love this new evolution that we're in. We're in, I think we're redefining what the workplace is, Right. We're redefining, and people are like, oh, a friend of mine and I were just having a conversation earlier tonight about a discussion she had in an event in, in New York City. And it was about, oh, no, people have come back to the office like, what people? What organizations have been able to find out? They're able to diversify their talent within their organization by opening up and not strictly being brick and mortar, going to workplaces that are click and mortar. And Meta wish we'd be over in the Meta space, <laughs> vert, vert. Um, in virtual spaces, VR, but we aren't there yet, I think, because we still have to ship what the brick and mortar has looked like before we can go over and really be meta in the workplace. So, but that's, that's where I think we are. Did you just call it click and mortar? Well, years ago, I yeah. I love it. Victoria knows, probably remembers back 20, 30 years ago when we were moving businesses from or integrating brick and mortar businesses to have online um, places like a Sears. It was click and mortar. You still had to ship it from somewhere. You could just order it online, right? And so it we've seen that evolution and supply chain 
we are not the enterprise yet, so it can't make everything for us. Um, I can't remember what then the replicator. Like, can you replicate me a, a blanket? Like, no, we we still have to have physical location, so we're gonna have click and mortar for I think a few more generations. And I can, as also a generation Xer, I completely agree. We live in the best time because we live through analog and we get to experience the evolution of digital. And yes, there may be a need to help the next generation learn better communication skills or just interpersonal communication skills. But that I think that's a problem to fix with another conversation. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. This has really been an insightful conversation. This is the part where I ask you both to gift a goal. And originally I said, let's gift a goal for leaders, but I'm going to mix it up. I think we should gift a goal for leaders, but also for people in the workforce, something that they can do today, tonight, tomorrow to really embrace being part of an organization. So... Michelle, what goals do you have? Let we'll do. I'll even separate it out. Let's start with what goals uh, do you wish to gift leaders, and then we can um, go to the team members. So, Michelle, what goal? The goal I would gift to leaders is the ability to listen and learn from their employees. And, and what oftentimes you're looking at percentages and roll up of what HR may be sending you for employee engagement surveys and things. But I encourage you to randomly go through and read responses and really try to understand in your employees' words how they're responding. Like, what are the open ended questions that you may have? Maybe you only have 10 and read. I know it's like, but we have 50,000 employees. Guess what? You're responsible for 50,000 employees. That was your decision. And it takes you to take time and really sit down and read through those. And it may be 10, 15 minutes a day through the month of March, which is Women's History Month. But take that time and make that commitment to really read their individual responses to better understand the needs of your of some of your employees. That's great. And yes, we are just about in March, which is Women's History Month, which is yet another tangent, which is fine because I'm all about the tangent. But it's just another way, reason. I don't want to say excuse because that's not really the right term, but take the opportunity. Maybe let's add some Women's History Month events. I don't know. Just spitball in here. But I love that. Read the responses from the employee surveys and see if there's something you need to do to take action to make your company a better place. Absolutely. Okay, Victoria, see if you can follow that tangent. (laughs) Okay. Well, my goal actually applies to the teams as well as the leader. Okay. So both ways. So expectations are really, really a key to having and creating a healthy culture. So take a look at, and what are the three things that irritate you, frustrate you about an employee or from the leader standpoint, an employee or the employees about the company, the culture, how you're treated, your peers, three things only. Just write down three things that irritate you. Because when you have irritation, frustration, or anger, you have an expectation that's not being met. And so those tell you, those three things that you write down that tell you that, then ask yourself, what's the expectation that I have that's not being met? And then the third part of it is, this is an inside job because if you have something not being met, it's inside you. And what is that expectation? 
so can you give an example? Oh, there are so many examples. Okay, so let's use a personal example. It's easier, right? Okay. The dishes aren't being done correctly, <laughs> right? Quote, unquote, correctly. What is correct? You know, you get irritated because your spouse or your kids or your friend didn't do the dishes right. Maybe they didn't load the dishwasher right because you have a way to load the dishwasher and it irritates you. Okay. You've got an expectation about the way to load the dishwasher, but did you communicate your expectation about what it looks like or the outcome? And, and if you hadn't, it's on you. If you had, it's on them. Exactly. And then why are you irritated if it's on them? Right? Interesting. So how do you fix the dishwasher problem? It's communication. You have a conversation and you own your part of it. Okay. So change comes when we change us first. Yep. One of the one day I was walking out of the gym and my muscles were feeling the workout. And it was like, wow, it's always an inside job first before you see the results and the outcomes. And it's always an inside job and the outside shows you where to look. I like that. So, Michelle, back to you, since Victoria did an all-in-one goal, do you have a goal that you want to gift uh, employees, team members, something that they can do to make their company culture better? I do. And th this is something I've been tasking my co career coaching clients with, is literally sit down and design out the workplace culture that you desire. And when I started telling people this six years ago, they thought it was like, this had never happened. I was like, literally, what does it look like for you? Like, what makes you happy? And some people like, oh, I would love, you know, whatever this is, like if it's shag carpet, make it shag carpet. But to literally sit down and write it out or, or creating um, a Pinterest board, take that time. Because only you know what that culture looks like. Describing the sounds or how people communicate with you. What type of work are you doing? What type of work aren't you doing? More importantly, um, those things really matter to people. And they've start, in, in the last three years, it's really shown up. But sometimes many people are, are reacting to a bad culture that they're in as opposed to understanding what culture they really want. So literally dedicating the time to sit down and cut up magazines or draw out a patent, whatever it is, write it out in a story, whatever those things are, do that for yourself, because then it helps you better find the workplace culture that you really desire or think that you desire. Right. You won't know until it happens to that really will feed your soul, your spirit and your career aspirations if you have have those. And so I really encourage them to do that um, within the next few days. I love that. And that's so Deb method, right? Because it starts with determine your mission. And the first part of that is that visualization component. Absolutely. And I really like the way that you took and you could really do this with anything. You know, if the culture is not great, what would be a good culture for you? And maybe it's something that when the boss is communicative, because they also listen to this podcast or watch this show, they say, you know, this would be better. Things you can, it ties into what Victoria was saying, that you can make the change, but you need to know what the change is. Absolutely. You need to identify the challenges, the problems, what's bugging you, what's irritating you. And when you identify it, and maybe it is the culture, then you either can, you know what you're seeking, or you can see if there's an option 
to change it from within. Absolutely. Absolutely. My, and I think we might've talked about this the last time you, you were on because you were on when we talked about mission and motto, you know, that, that all important question of purpose is I believe that the companies that are going to do well in the future are the ones that are open to change the ones that are open to communication and working in a place where their goals for the company are in alignment with the goals of the team. Mm-hmm. Because that that's when you've got the, the win-win-win, right? For the boss, the employee, and anybody who utilizes the product or service. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I couldn't agree more. So, okay. I will step off my soapbox just for a moment, but I would love for you to tell people where they can learn more about you. So Victoria, where's the best place for people? The best place for people to reach out to me is www.heartandsoulceo.com. There's a contact form right there. They can pop in a question and reach out. I'd be happy to get back with them. Excellent. And Michelle, where's the best place for people to find you? It, a great place to find me is at positivehire.co. Um, definitely reach out to me there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I do hang out on LinkedIn quite frequently. So I'm the Michelle with one L. And so you'll easily know because right now, if you find me, I have on a high visibility, bright yellow shirt because I'm a civil engineer working construction. And so that's my profile picture. If you miss it, I can understand if you're visually impaired for sure. If you're not, um, I'm just saying it's we we were we wore those colors very for a very specific reason. <laughs> so people can see you. Exactly. And, and I am at the Deb Method everywhere. And if you go to the debmethod.com slash blog, you can get the recap from this conversation as well as links to Victoria Michelle's websites and links to their LinkedIn's. And then drop a note that this is where you have met. Uh, This has been a really fun and I feel important conversation because the workplace isn't done changing. It will never be done changing. And that's fine because that's how we evolve, how we get better, whether we are the boss or the team leader or a team member. You, You go, you work how many hours every single day you want it to be a good experience. And if it isn't, you know, go to those visualizations, find the right ones or figure out what it is you need to change within yourself to make where you're at a better experience. Uh, Before we wrap, uh, I'd love to get a final thought from each of you. So Victoria, final thought. Final thought is that, you know, work isn't hard. Love what you're doing because you know, you're in the right place when you love the culture that you're in and you love the work you're doing. Work doesn't have to be something that's awful. You can have both. When you are in the right place, you know. Exactly. And that's true if you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or you're working to build someone else's company. You know, some people aren't meant to work on their own, just like some people aren't meant to work for business. So we all have the answers to the questions about work. We just don't always take the time to ask the questions. Absolutely. So Michelle, final thought? Final. The changes we're seeing in the workplace isn't rebellion from employees. It's the redesigning of the current day workplace. Listen to your employees. Employees voice your needs and concerns. Because no matter what anybody says, AI has not taken over and organizations still need humans to get the work done. It's true because when it comes right down to it, everybody wants, well, go back to the win-win. Everybody wants the win-win because if they didn't, why are they there? So as you are looking at your life again, if you need to, to make a change, embrace it. Uh, however, 
It might just be growing pains. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the other part to think about is we're in an exciting time where there is all this change. And when you frame it that way, then I think it's a lot easier to ingest. It's like, oh, yeah, it's growing pains. Everything is going to come out for the better. And when you look at it with that that lens and know that that's what it's all about. And again, what Victoria was saying, when you love what you do, you're in the right place. So all the little factors work together. Um, I so appreciate you both joining me today, Victoria Hanu and Michelle Hayward. And if you're watching us live, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the replay, great. If you are listening to us on the Dem Show podcast, we appreciate you taking the time and the energy to invest in yourself and your goals and learn more about the changing workplace. Again, I'm Deborah Eckerling. Thank you for tuning in and go out there, whatever your workplace goals are, go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.